Welcome back to A Virtual View. Today, I'm joined by Cheyenne Guideman, an engagement specialist at the Purdue Center for Regional Development. Thank you for being here today, Cheyenne. It's my pleasure. So could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yes, so like you said, I'm an engagement specialist with the Purdue Center for Regional Development. The Purdue Center for Regional Development is a little bit different because our organization doesn't work with students in Purdue as much as we work with communities and regions around Indiana and sometimes in other states doing community and economic development work. So I, as an engagement specialist, my main focus is on digital inclusion initiatives. So I work with counties and regions to write digital inclusion plans, or as they're more commonly known nowadays, digital equity plans, and that sort of thing. Can you tell me a little bit about what we know each other from, which is the Indiana Digital Equity Task Force? Yes, I am so excited about Indiana's Digital Equity Task Force. So... (laughs) About last year, the federal government passed the Infrastructure Act. It has Mm -hmm. a longer name than that, but that Infrastructure (laughs) Act, one of the things that it did was set aside funds for each state to write a digital equity plan. Now, digital equity is defined in that act, but at the end of the day, what it means is that everyone has equal opportunity for access to the internet. So that includes not just internet access, but owning a device, a high quality device, having access to digital skills, the knowledge, the know-how on how to use the internet. So Indiana has taken those funds and as part of our process to make a digital equity plan, we put together this digital equity task force to represent the different sectors in Indiana. And that task force is collaborating with PCRD, the Purdue Center for Regional Development, in writing Indiana's digital equity plan. And I'm so glad that you're a part of it. Yeah, I will say the uh, Indiana Rural Health Association, the parent organization of the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center, is a member of the Indiana Digital Equity Task Force and has been since its inception a little while ago. You've explained sort of how it came about and what some of the aims of the Digital Equity Task Force are. Could we talk a little bit about the work we've done so far? So, so far for the digital equity plan, what we've done is gather data. We've been looking at what are the barriers in Indiana? What does this digital equity plan need to do? Now, obviously, we know that it's a digital equity plan, so it needs to address internet access issues and devices and stuff. But what exactly are those barriers? As well as what resources and programs are already out there that are addressing these barriers? So with the help of the task force, we've been collecting data. We've done primary data collection through surveys and interviews, and we've also looked at secondary data, like the data we can get from the census. And we've looked at that data and said, okay, these are the barriers that we know of so far. And based on those Mm -hmm. barriers, our task force worked together to start drafting like our vision and our goals. We also worked with the task force to make an asset map of Indiana so that we could identify what resources and programs are already out there solving digital equity needs within Indiana so that we're not reinventing the wheel, we're not duplicating efforts, so that we can support the good work that's already going on. There's no need for us to fund something from the ground up if someone's already doing it and doing a great job at it. Now, what we're doing is we're in this really great phase of digital equity plan where we're moving from 
identifying barriers and gathering this information into putting this information into action and having it form a plan. And so as part of that, we're hosting these solution sessions. And it's another way of doing that community engagement piece, you know, of getting feedback from the community. But it's really exciting because it gives the community an opportunity to react to what we've done. It gives them an opportunity to react to what barriers we have identified and give us their input on what our solutions should be, what the plan should do. And that's part of the reason we're calling these solution sessions is because we don't want to just come out here and listen to the community, even though we want to do that. We want to hear from them what the solutions should be. We want the solutions to these issues to come from the people who have experienced it, who have experienced these issues, so that it is as effective as possible. Gotcha. And then jumping back a couple of steps here, one of the things that you mentioned that I really do appreciate that we've been deliberate to do is identifying what assets already exist within the community. So we're really cutting down on the sort of duplication of effort that often comes around when you're you're talking about these programs, because those assets and those resources might already exist. Yes, and it's really cool to look at that from a geographic standpoint and put that on a map, because... One area may have a solution for something like a device program, but like Southern Indiana may not. So we want to make sure that we're not overlooking any barriers. Just because a barrier does not exist in one part of the state doesn't mean that that barrier isn't present in another part of the state. So we don't want to just check off a box if it's not really done. It also allows us to say, okay, well, there's a great program over in this city If they had the proper funding or support, could they expand and help solve this issue in a neighboring county or a neighboring city? So that, again, we're not reinventing the wheel, but we're investing in what's already in Indiana. Yeah, and I do think the best way to find solutions that work is to look and see, okay, what solutions are already working in similar areas? Exactly, exactly. There's a lot of expertise to gain from the people who are on the ground, from people who Mm -hmm. have experienced the issue. A lot of times they are experts in it and they don't even know it. And so we really want to celebrate that expertise through these solution sessions and lift up the fact that, hey, you guys know a lot about this and you guys, many of you have already solved this. So how can we learn from you? How can we take the solutions you've already come up with and scale those up? Yeah, and I will say I'm part of the task force, and it's got a lot of great expertise on there, a lot of people who are really involved, very intelligent, have a lot of knowledge and resources at their disposal. But at the same time, a small task force group cannot capture the experience of the folks who are living all over Indiana and dealing with these issues of digital equity and getting access. And there's a lot of different kinds of people living in Indiana Sometimes we don't always think of Indiana as the most diverse state, but we do have a lot of different diversity here. We have a lot of people with different experiences, different backgrounds, different occupations, and different ages, and all those bring value to the conversation, and all those Mm -hmm. have different experiences, and it's important that we recognize those, and we come up with solutions that fit those different lifestyles. Yeah, and that's why it's so important to have these solution sessions as well as working with our task force. So I know that we're not done with data collection or with looking at the data we've collected yet, but could you give us like a little sneak preview of some of the conclusions that we've drawn and some of the data that we've seen? 
Yeah, that's the funny thing about data is you are never quite <laughs> done collecting it. There's always more to learn. So it's always mm-hmm. a hard line to draw. I would say one of the things I found most interesting in the conversations I've had with people around the state and looking at the data is the issue of trust. A lot of people don't want to adopt the technology. They don't quite trust it. They're not quite sure. And so I think that's going to be one of those barriers that we're going to have to get very creative with how we solve it. Affordability has also come up time and time again. It's not enough to just have the service there, but for people to be able to afford to access it. There's also things about speeds and having it be adequate and quality and whatnot. And digital skills are another one that we hear time and time again. And that's a really fun one for me because we can tie that into so many other different aspects. Improving digital skills can tie into workforce development. It can tie into education. It can even impact telemedicine if people don't have the skills to open a zoom to get on a virtual session with their primary care provider then that's a barrier yeah and something that i found so interesting about a lot of these results that we've seen are that so many of these issues surrounding digital equity aren't just related to the fact that people don't have access to devices or broadband or what have you they're downstream issues Things like not having digital literacy or not having access to things because of affordability. It's It's been very interesting to see how many of these issues aren't just an issue of, I don't have a computer. They're an issue of, I can't get access to a computer because of X, Y, and Z problems. So I did want to touch on why this is something that's so important for health. Could you give us your thoughts on why having a digital equity plan for the state is something that matters so much for healthcare? So a lot of times in working with communities, regions, or the state, we hear the term where people live, work, and play. And I think that's really the crux of digital equity. It impacts how people live, it impacts how people work, and it impacts how they play. And just like digital equity impacts all those things, so does healthcare. You need good healthcare to live, you need good healthcare to work work and be successful and to have fun and play. And so there's a natural marriage there of how both digital equity and healthcare impact all areas of your life. And then there's an interesting intersection there where with good internet, it opens up more opportunities for healthcare with not just good internet, but with good devices and the digital skills. You have more access to healthcare as you don't necessarily have to go into a healthcare provider's office. You might be able to work with specialists who have their offices far away from you. It just opens up more opportunities. And I think that's really important in today's day and age when it comes to healthcare. Yeah, we are a telehealth resource center here. So we are big proponents of telehealth and virtual care and think it can be a great source of access for folks who live in rural areas. But obviously, that's not something that can happen if they don't have access to reliable broadband or the devices that they need to connect with that sort of care. Yeah, and you're the true expert here. I can tell you my (laughs) point of view, but you're the boots on the ground. So I'd love to turn that question back on you. Why do you think being a part of this digital equity plan is important. And what do you hope to see it achieve in Indiana? In my work with the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center, 
we do a lot of promotion of telehealth and I'm a big proponent for telehealth because I think it can be great for folks in rural areas to get access to care they wouldn't have access to otherwise. But additionally, like we talk about social determinants and social drivers of health, and a lot of those are linked to digital equity. There are a lot of things like education and work. All of these things now are linking to being able to have broadband, being able to have digital literacy skills and when people aren't able to connect with those things and utilize those things, then they are really left at such a disadvantage with these social drivers of health where they're going to statistically, on average, see worse health outcomes because they're not able to engage with this really important part of today's society, which is digital access. And so, yeah, I could talk about this all day and I have before, but I won't keep you there. But there are just so many different aspects of digital equity that tie back to health for everything from the really direct like telehealth to the larger and a bit more abstract, like things like the social drivers of health, where it impacts your whole life from a a health standpoint. Anyway, that is my very short version of a very long answer. (laughs) And it was a very great answer. One of the things you and I have talked about before that I think it's important to touch on here is how telemedicine can help with stigma. I grew up in a small rural community. And you know, when it comes to behavioral health or women's health or some of these more sensitive topics, there are very few providers in that community. And everyone knows everyone. So they know your car. And so even just being parked outside of that center, people can be like, oh, well, you went and saw so-and-so. What's going on Mm -hmm. there? And that can really help overcome those barriers to service. And I think that's so important. And I think that just hits home for me because I grew up in that rural area. And rural residents are one of the main covered populations that we are looking at and trying to serve through our digital equity plan. Yeah, and we can talk about stigma all day around mental health care, but also around substance use disorder. And those are two things that we've seen during the pandemic and continuing on to now that have lent themselves extremely well to telehealth and virtual care. And so if you have populations that aren't able to access that same type of care, that's a huge disservice to folks who would benefit from one stigma reduction, but two access. And so yeah, I, I definitely agree that that's a often overlooked component of this digital equity piece that's so vital and so important, particularly in these, these smaller rural communities. As well as women's health. I mean, I remember what it was like being an adolescent girl. You know, it's embarrassing to talk <laughs> about those things, let alone to run into someone at the Women's Health Center. So having mm-hmm. those other opportunities is just very important. Yeah, it's vital for people. And we talk about, like, to go back to social determinants, social drivers of health, such a big part of that is the access that you have. And so much of that now is tied to having access to broadband and technology. Just so many of your services now, like, I pay my bills online. I went and got certifications for my career online. I work remotely using a computer And if I lived in certain areas in this state, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I got my master's degree online while working full-time. And if I had not been an online program, I do not think I would have been able to work full-time while getting my master's. Broadband can be very life-changing, not just broadband, but the internet in general. 
mm-hmm. and all the different parts of that. And that's why it's so it's essential to make sure people don't just have access, but they have all the tools and the skills they need to use it. Yeah, for sure. I 100% agree. And I would say that I think sometimes the shortcoming we have when we talk about digital equity is we look at digital equity as an individual issue. And at the end of the day, digital equity is a community issue. And I say that because it impacts not just individuals, but businesses and nonprofit organizations and every aspect of a community. You can build great broadband and have people online, but if they don't have things to do online, like shop locally, order takeout online, schedule appointments with their local physician, then they're missing out on a benefit of that technology. And so it's important that we take holistic community approach to this and look at not just how can we help that individual get connected, but how can we help the entire community be connected and make the most out of this? Yeah, because obviously I'm looking at this from a health and public health and and telehealth standpoint. I'm thinking about how does digital equity impact where I'm coming from, but there's so much beyond that that I think can be dismissed if you're not looking at it from a a larger like holistic perspective. So on that note, could you tell me a little bit more about the different organizations and different sort of folks that you've been working with up to this point? to put this digital equity task force plan, all of it, put it together? Obviously, when working in Indiana, we've been working with Indiana State Broadband Office. There's a great team over there. This is what they do day in and day out. And they're just so excited to have the help of the task force and PCRD to really drive this home. Indiana also has our Office of Community and Rural Affairs. We call it OCRA for short. OCRA has also been another big state partner in all of this. So one of the interesting things about the legislation that is funding these digital equity plans in states and territories across the United States is it outlined specific covered populations. It's a list of about eight covered populations, and those are things like rural residents, racial and ethnic minorities, people with limited English proficiency, so that might be from low education or English not being their first language, age, veterans, and a couple other ones. And so what we did when forming our task force is we looked at that covered populations list and we were like, we have to make sure we're including these people. What organizations can we bring to the table that are going to help us include these covered populations and get at understanding the unique barriers that these covered populations face. And so that's how we approached bringing this task force together. And that's how we get at organizations like AARP and the Veterans Office and those sorts of places. But then we also bring in people like you with the Indiana Rural Health. And we also have the libraries who are essential services to these people who work with our covered populations day in and day out. And that makes you guys so valuable because you guys are the boots on the ground. You work with these people. You know what's going on. And it's not just a one and done case study for you guys. You guys can recognize those patterns of we're seeing this come up again and again and again. It's not just a unique situation here. We know that this is an issue. Yeah. And I do think that working with so many different stakeholders has allowed us to get a really complete picture or not complete, not yet. We're not through with our our solution sessions where we talk to more folks who are in the general population. But anyway, it's allowed us to get a wider picture of what is going on with digital equity all over the state and all these different kind of sectors, I suppose. 
Yes, exactly. Because each person on our task force brings a different lived experience, not just with the populations that they work with and they serve, but also their experiences in their field. And so that really gives us this great community to draw from and this huge Mm -hmm. network across Indiana that we can rely on. I've seen that in action and that's been great. But moving on a little bit, can we talk a bit more about the upcoming solution sessions that are happening in the next few months here? I am so excited for our solution sessions. Our digital equity solution sessions are going to be kind of a regional focus. So we have six throughout the state of Indiana. They're based on the six okra regions. Like I said before, the Office of Community and Rural Affairs, they have split Indiana up into six regions that they serve. And so we based the location of the solution sessions on those six regions so that we can try and hit all the different areas of Indiana while at the same time trying to get the most out of those solution sessions. We knew it wasn't feasible for us to have 92 solution sessions, 92 being 92 counties in Indiana. People don't have to necessarily go to just the one in their region. If one in another region is closer to them because they live on the border or something, that's fine. People can go to whatever solution session works best for them travel-wise and time-wise. Everyone has different things going on in life that they have to take into consideration. So we're just happy to have people there and to be able to hear from them. And we've already talked about this large group of stakeholders we've been working with up to this point. So why is it important for us to go into these communities like boots on the ground, uh, as it were, and to speak with folks at these solution sessions? Why is that something that's important to this plan? A line I keep coming back to is the more voices are included in the digital equity plan, the better it will be at serving the needs of Indiana residents. So the more voices that are included in the digital equity plan, the better the plan will be at serving the needs of Indiana residents. Because while we might be able to identify patterns after we get so many people coming in, you never know who's going to say something that we haven't heard yet. And the more people Mm -hmm. we have there, the more input we are getting, the more likely we are to hear something that we haven't heard yet that is crucial, that is something that we really have to address. And so it's a numbers game. The more people we get there, the wider variety of data that we will have to work with and to inform the plan. I think the more folks that we have at these solution sessions, the more folks we hear from, the more comprehensive of a picture we're going to get of what digital equity does look like for most people in Indiana. And that's something that you can't necessarily get through raw data in our surveys or our asset mapping. And while those are vital to making sure that our our plan is accurate and has backing, I think that getting that sort of... uh, qualitative data where you're talking to folks and hearing about their lived experiences, that's vital to putting this together and moving forward and and looking at what's going to be the best way to address digital equity on a statewide scale. And I think it's also important to recognize that even though sometimes we put ourselves into boxes like, oh, I am a West Lafayette resident or I grew up in Northeast Indiana, we have all these boxes that we put ourselves into. But despite that, there are still differences between us. No matter what boxes you put yourself into, your experiences can still be different than the person next to you. And so it's important that we recognize and capture all those minute differences so that we can make sure that we have a really holistic plan like you said. 
So we know that these solution sessions are coming up in July and August. And if folks want to attend, do they have to register in advance or can they just show up? So we would prefer for everyone to register because we are going to provide a light dinner at these solution sessions. So we're trying to get a head count so we can make sure that we have enough food for everyone. But if you forget to register um, or your calendar suddenly opens up, it's okay to just come. We'd rather have you there than not have you there. So Yeah, and I will post links to all of this in the show notes. So if you're listening, just scroll down and you can see a link to go register today and figure out which solution session is closest to you and works the best. Before we go for today, I would like to touch on what the future of the digital equity plan looks like. What are our next steps after these solution sessions? So after the solution sessions, we get into like the nitty gritty of writing the plan where you get to actually write out these are the strategies and these are the objectives and figure out how are we going to make these things happen? What will be our strategy for implementing all this and how will we measure impact? Because it's not enough to just say that these are the things we want to do. We want to make sure that we're successful in moving the needle on digital equity and making Indiana a better place to live, work, and play. So if we have folks in other states who are listening who might want to bring other similar programs to their own areas, do you have any advice for how they might go about doing that? Absolutely. Every state has a broadband office of some sort, and typically those are the ones taking the lead on these plans. So I would start by reaching out to your state's broadband office and saying, hey, what are you guys doing for your digital equity plan? How can I get involved? And they will be some of the best people to direct you. I've also worked with many communities and regions to write more local level digital equity plans. Those look different just because they're at a local level. And so sometimes they're not as formal or as in depth as a state level plan, just because it serves a smaller area. But that's another route to take, to assemble a task force in your own community or county or region and start writing your own digital equity plan. Right. And I think that's a step anyone could start with if they have an interest in promoting digital equity in their own region. Well, Cheyenne, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm looking forward to those solution sessions. And I know that they're going to be a great discussion of digital equity for all the folks that can make it there. And like I said before, make sure you check the episode description if you're interested in attending. And even if you're not somebody who lives in Indiana and you want to know more about the Indiana Digital Equity Task Force and the Digital Equity Plan, feel free to reach out to us and we can give you more information. Thank you so much for coming on today, Cheyenne. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to seeing you and all your listeners at our Digital Equity Solution Sessions. (laughs) Of course. for listening to a virtual view. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes below. If you would like to support our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Do you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss? If so, contact us at info at umtrc.org or through the form found in the show notes. Also, we'd like to give a special thanks to our editor, Tristan Yoder. Finally, a special thanks to the Health Resources and Service Administration, also known as HRSA. 
Our podcast series, A Virtual View, is sponsored in part by HRSA's Telehealth Resource Center program, which is under HRSA's Office of the Administrator and the Office for the Advancement of Telehealth. The content and conclusions of this podcast are those of the UMTRC and should not be construed as the official policy of or the position of, nor should any endorsements be inferred by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you.